the reason why we're doing this um, this series. La razón por la cual estamos haciendo esta serie. So after you've got it, you can follow along later. But right now, pay attention to me, okay? The reason we're doing this, la razón por la cual estamos haciendo esto, es porque durante la primera etapa del año, the first half of the year, we focused on all the spiritual stuff. We focus on everything the Holy Spirit wants to do. How do we get close to the Holy Spirit? How do we how do we pray? How do we worship? We, we focused a lot on the spiritual aspect. But one of the things that Christians and churches oftentimes leave out is the practical aspect. Una de las cosas que muchas de las iglesias y los cristianos se les olvida enseñar y predicar es el aspecto práctico. Y por alguna razón, for some reason, so many people believe that the spiritual side overrides the practical side. Mucha gente piensa que el lado espiritual, eh, eso, eh, eso significa que es una excusa para no hacer las cosas prácticas. And that's how you fall into something that we call religiosity. Eso es como tú caes en algo que se llama religiosidad. Cuando te enfocas solo en lo espiritual, pero no en lo práctico. Y entonces, mientras yo estaba en Brasil y aún algún tiempo antes, while I was in Brazil, and even some days before, the Lord, the Lord kept speaking to me about the importance of teaching practical, biblical truths and how to sustain the move of God. Y cómo sostener el mover de Dios. Porque, déjate una pregunta, ¿puedes perder el mover de Dios, sí o no? Can you lose the move of God, yes or no? So how do we keep and maintain the move of God? ¿Cómo mantenemos el mover de Dios dentro de nosotros? ¿Cómo nosotros avanzamos? ¿Cómo nosotros crecemos? So that's why I started this series. It's called Cracked. Say with me, Cracked. Cracked. God is gracious enough to use us and to pour out his Holy Spirit over every single one of us. Despite our character flaws, despite our cracks in our character or cracks in our spiritual life, cracks everywhere. And even, even then, God decides to use us. Aún a través de nuestras imperfecciones, Dios decide derramar de su Espíritu Santo sobre nosotros. Aún eh, nosotros siendo imperfectos, teniendo fallas en nuestro carácter, fallas en nuestra manera de ser, en nuestras amistades, relaciones, sea lo que sea, tenemos tantas fallas y cometemos tantos errores, pero aún así Dios es misericordioso. Even then God is, has so much mercy on us that he still decides to use us and he still decides to pour out his spirit over us. But what's very interesting is that we as humans, when we find something that's cracked, we will not use it. Cuando nosotros como humanos encontramos algo que está quebrado, quebrantado, nosotros no lo queremos usar. Si encontramos un vaso que tiene una quebradura, una grieta, no lo usamos. ¿Verdad que no? Lo tiramos porque se quebró. Puede estar entero, pero tiene una pequeña grieta, pero lo tiramos. We can find a glass cup to pour water in, but if it has a small crack in it, we'll throw it away. Why? Because we say it's broken. And one of the things, una de las cosas, es que eso no es excusa para que nosotros nos mantengamos en esas imperfecciones. That's not an excuse for us to maintain ourselves in those imperfections, in those uh, bad habits or lack of character or cracks in our lives. Just because God has mercy on us does not mean we can still maintain in those areas without changing or growing. Does that make sense? So, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as water in John chapter 7, in Juan capítulo 7, versículo 38. It says, He who believes in me, and Jesus is speaking, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living 
water. Say it with me, water, water. And then the next verse says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit. So when you want to carry water, you're not going to go find a container that's cracked. Cuando tú quieres, cuando resulta del Espíritu se refiere al Espíritu Santo, se refiere al agua. Compara el agua al Espíritu Santo. Y cuando tú quieres tomar agua o tú quieres llevar agua hacia un lugar, tú no vas a escoger algo que está quebrado. You want something that is whole. Quieres algo que está entero, sí o no. You want something that doesn't have any cracks. Why? Because those things that are full of cracks will always spill out. Those things that are full of cracks will never maintain the substance or the liquid or whatever you put in them. And that is the reason why so many people will receive a touch of God, will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But because of the cracks in their character, they will lose it so quickly. They will lose the move of the Spirit. They will lose the fire of the Holy Spirit. And then you have nothing else but to go off of emotion. So then it's like, Man, worship was great. The Holy Spirit was there. Wow, we had a lot of people. We feel the unity and the presence of God is there. Oh man, only two or three people came. Fire's going out. It doesn't work that way. The move of God and the fire of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit as a person, is not someone that plays around and comes and goes and comes and goes. He's not inconsistent. He'll come to stay and he'll be there. But the moment that you decide to start ignoring his voice and you start squandering the fruit that he wants to produce in you, it's the moment he stays silent and he stops speaking. And so we have to learn to distinguish emotion and the move of the Holy Spirit. And so when I read scripture, I find out something very interesting. The spiritual side is important and the practical side is important. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. It says the following, Hechos capítulo 2, versículo 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. What happened before the Holy Spirit came? ¿Qué pasó antes que descendió el Espíritu Santo? ¿Qué es lo que estaban haciendo? What were they doing? Were they singing? ¿Estaban cantando? That's not what Scripture says. ¿Qué es lo que estaban haciendo? En el capítulo 1, in chapter 1, we find something very important. It says that they were... They had devoted themselves to prayer. Dice en el capítulo 1 que ellos se habían dedicado a la oración. Estuvieron orando esos días en el aposento alto. They were praying. But not just praying. Chapter 2 reveals something very important. Chapter 2 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Estaban en un mismo acuerdo, en un mismo lugar. What does that mean? ¿Qué significa eso? Tú puedes orar, yo puedo orar, todos aquí podemos orar. Tú oras, yo oro, nosotros oramos. Right? Pero eso no significa que estamos en unidad. That does not mean that we are in unity. This is why the Bible is specific. Por eso la Biblia es específico cuando dice, estaban juntos, unánimes, en un mismo acuerdo. It says that they were in one accord, in one place. Just because you worship with somebody else does not mean that you're in unison with that person. Just because you go to the same church as somebody else does not mean that you are united with that person. There can be division even within a family. Puede haber división aún dentro de una familia. Y así mismo dentro de la iglesia puede existir la división. Pero mira bien, lo que estaban haciendo al principio, 
era buscando de Dios y se derramó el Espíritu Santo. What they were doing at the beginning of the chapter is they were seeking God, they were praying, and the Holy Spirit poured out. But then at the end of the chapter, we see something different. Pero al final del capítulo, nosotros encontramos algo diferente. In chapter 2, verse 46, es el versículo 46. It says the following, it says, So continuing, say with me, continuing. I'm reading from the New King James Version, just in case. I know I always read out of the ESV, but it's going to say a couple different letters or different words. So continuing daily, say with me, daily. It wasn't something that they did every Sunday, every Wednesday, and every Friday. It was something that they did every single day. Todos los días. It says, continuing daily, and then we find that word again, with one accord in the temple. It says, they were in the temple every day. And then it says, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were to be saved. You know what they were doing? ¿Sabes qué es lo que estaban haciendo? De acuerdo a esto, estaban todos los días en el templo con un mismo acuerdo. Pero no solamente eso, pero iban de casa en casa y comían y cenaban. They would go from house to house and they would eat. So it is biblical to go from house to house to eat. So if I show up randomly at your house, I want you to feed me. You need to feed me. It's biblical. If you don't, you're going to be in sin. I'm kidding. Um... But what you find at the end of this chapter is the following. It's not something spiritual. Ahora no es algo espiritual. Ahora pasamos de lo espiritual a lo práctico. Now we went from something spiritual to something practical. What am I telling you here? I'm telling you this. The Holy Spirit poured out. But just as important as it is to seek the Holy Spirit, it is as important to be in fellowship with one another. Lo que te estoy diciendo es que así como es importante de buscar el Espíritu Santo y recibir el toque y la llenura del Espíritu Santo, así mismo también es importante tener compañerismo en uno al otro. It's important to be in unity. The Bible talks about it, and Jesus talks about it. The Bible says that they were in one accord and in prayer. What was the result? The result was that the Holy Spirit poured out. And then at the end of the chapter, they were continuing daily in fellowship. Now, tell me if this does not look Tell me if this looks like or doesn't look like the modern church. Dime si eso se parece o no se parece a la iglesia moderna. We're 50% of the way there. Estamos ahí como el 50% solamente. ¿Sabes por qué? Porque los domingos, on Sundays, we worship Jesus. I love you. Hey, brother, God bless you. How you been? Good? Okay, great. How you been? Good? Okay, great. Every time I have a meeting with the youth leaders, I always say, how's everything? Everybody, good? Good? That's a lie. I can go ask the homeless dude, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Everybody says they're doing great. Why? Because we lie and so what happens we come to church we worship and then you're good you're good we're good great ya cumplí ya me para la casa but nobody does the second part nadie hace la segunda parte que es en compañerismo nobody does the other part of man I haven't talked to that person in a while I'm gonna reach out to them man how is this person doing I noticed you didn't come to church I noticed you weren't here I noticed you've been gone for a month I noticed that, um, you, you know, we were supposed to go out, but what happened? We all went out, but you didn't come. There is no fellowship. But we're so good at focusing on the spiritual stuff, and we don't focus on the practical stuff. Why is that? Because the spiritual stuff, only God can measure, and your peer can't measure that. You don't know, man. It, oh, man, it's just not recibiendo. But you don't know, is that doing in sin or not in sin? Are they doing it for real? Or are they doing it because they're heartbroken? Or are they doing it because they're depressed? They doing it because they're doing it because they're You don't know. But when it comes to the practical side, you can measure who is really walking in fellowship and in unity and who's not. 
you can find out like, man, that person is always, they're the new people all the time and they're always talking to the new people. Man, they're always texting that person. They're always following up with this group of people. Man, they know the new people's names. Wow, how do they know that this person was gone? How do they know? Wow, they're always going out, not just as a friend group, because I'm not talking about clicks, because let's be honest, within the church, there's a whole bunch of clicks. Dentro de la iglesia hay grupitos y oh, we don't talk to that group and that group we talk to that one it's on and eh, we talk to them on Sundays but on Mondays not it's this turns group we, and so you 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 don't have unity and that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about when we read scripture cuando leemos la palabra de Dios nos damos cuenta de una cosa is that they were all in unity in one accord you may be in unity in one accord with two three four five people and that's about it and that's not biblical y eso no es bíblico Now, is it true that you may get along with other people more than others? Yeah. But that does not mean that that's where 100% of your focus goes. So my question to you, lo que quiero que tú te hagas, la pregunta que quiero que tú te hagas es, am I living in fellowship with one another or am I just focusing on the first part of the chapter, which is the spiritual stuff? Estoy viviendo en compañerismo el uno con el otro, solo me estoy enfocando en la primera parte que es el Espíritu Santo. Everybody wants the Holy Spirit. Todos quieren el Espíritu Santo. Es muy bonito. It's very nice. It's beautiful. You feel great. You feel good. You know, moqueas un poco. Your makeup runs. It's like, oh man, it was great. It was fantastic. But then, what happens after? And just as the Holy Spirit is important, así mismo también, fellowship is also important. You need both. So why is unity so important? Here's the reason why it's so important. There are two things that happen when the children of God are united. Hay dos cosas que pasan cuando los hijos de Dios están en unidad. Number one, número uno, they're made perfect. Son hechos perfectos, a perfección. Y te voy a explicar qué significa eso. Número dos, number two, the world will believe in Jesus. El mundo va a creer en Jesús. Son lo que dice la palabra de Dios en Juan capítulo 17, John chapter 17, verse 23. It says, I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me. Yo en ellos y tú en mí para que ellos sean perfeccionados y para que el mundo sepa que tú me enviaste. What happens when we're in unity? ¿Qué pasa cuando estamos en unidad? Number one, you're made perfect. What does that mean? Oh, I'm talking to everybody. I'm perfect now. It doesn't mean that. It means... Now I'm getting into the message. Eso es lo que significa. It means that as you associate with other people, there are people that are weird, right? Let's be honest. Don't everybody's kind of like I don't look, don't look, don't look. look. I said, I'm gonna tell you something. Todos somos raros. Everybody here is weird. Everybody, I'm weird too. Hang out with me more than a week, you'll be like, well, weird, man. You're 34 years old. What is going on? Everybody's weird. Todos, todos son raros. Pero qué es lo que pasa y a qué se refería Jesús? What was Jesus referring to? That you would be made perfect. Is that as you associate with other people, you ever heard the proverb, or you ever read the proverb that says iron sharpens iron? That's exactly what happens. Your imperfections are chiseled away. Tus imperfecciones son quitadas. Empieza Dios a trabajar. ¿Por qué? Porque ahora tienes una relación, una amistad con alguien que te saca las canas. You have now a friendship with someone who will tell you what's wrong with you. But before, you wanted to talk to this small group of people because they know how I am and they're not going to say anything. But then you start talking to everybody else and guess what? Everybody's out of their comfort zone. And you're like, man, uh, I feel uncomfortable. 
I'll tell you guys a quick story. I was talking to, uh, this used to happen to me when I was younger. As I got older, then it started to happen to other people. But when I was younger, I used to uh, hang out with, with preachers. I, all my friends were always older. And I was like, I want to be a preacher. So I'd go wherever they were at. But then whenever we would hang out outside of service or outside of, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, los cultos y las campañas y todo eso. I always felt like I was the worst sinner. And it wasn't because they would say anything to me. It was just how they were. They carry this purity and this presence of God. And I was like, I feel like a sinner. And I would not look at them in the eyes. You just, you ever run into people like that? You're just, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm blessed. I'm right here. Right? Because the presence of God brings out the conviction. And then they would look at you in the eyes, right? They're like, oh man, they're piercing my soul. And you feel like they, they know everything about you. So you look everywhere else. So that started, that would happen to me. And I was like, why does that happen? Why does that happen? But then as I got older, then people would say, so-and-so doesn't like you. So-and-so doesn't want to hang out with you. Or so-and-so says they'll come if you don't come. Why? Because they feel uncomfortable around you. Why? Because they feel like you judge them. I'm like, have I ever said anything? Like, no. But you'll come to notice that as you get closer to, to God, people will just naturally start to take a step back. Why? Because people carry... People that carry sin and guilt and shame in their lives, they don't want to associate where that will be exposed and that has to be taken care of. And so what Jesus is speaking about here is that those bad habits, those bad, those sins, uh, uh, whatever it is in your life, as you start to associate with others, those other people, they don't struggle with the same thing. So say, hey, man, you got to get together. What was going on? And you're made perfect. Why? Because they they're used by God to make you perfect for Jesus. They're used by God to better your character. And then the second thing, the world will believe in Jesus. How many different denominations of Catholic churches do you know? None, because there exists none. How many different denominations of Christian churches do you know? Well, it's like a thousand of them. You got los apostolicos, luego los apostolicos, no sé qué, los apostolicos anónimos, alcohólicos, whatever it is, you got all, all kinds of people. You know, you got the, oh, yeah, they're the ones with the makeup. No, they're the ones that don't wear the makeup. There's the ones with the long skirts, but they do wear makeup, but they don't cut their hair. And then you got these over here. They're the ones that they don't use music, but they they wear jeans. But then you got these who, man, they're crazy. They laugh and they roll on the floor. Then you got these and it's like, what is going on? So then the first thing that many people will say, well, they can't, they serve the one true God, but they can't get it together. Why? Because the enemy will use anything at his disposal to destroy what God is doing. So let's move on. What's the enemy's purpose? ¿Cuál es el propósito del enemigo? The enemy's purpose is to destroy three things. Tres cosas. Number one, what comes from God? Lo que viene de Dios. Ese es el propósito del enemigo, es destruir eso. I don't think I'm going to get through this, so I'll finish after this. Number two, whatever gets you closer to God, that enemy looks to destroy that. And then number three, to squander the fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in your life. John chapter 10, verse 10, Juan capítulo 10, verso 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Why does the Bible... Let me ask you a question. What's the difference between stealing, killing, and destroying? Wouldn't you think that killing and destroying are the same thing? But they're not. Why? The enemy seeks to steal. What does he seek to steal? 
not just your plans and your desires, like, oh my gosh, I want to serve Jesus, and I want to travel the world and the nations and tell people about Jesus, but the enemy's trying to steal my calling. That's not what I'm talking about. Before you can even get there, you have to have a foundation. Antes que tú puedas llegar a las naciones y predicar y ganar todo el mundo para Cristo, tienes que tener un fundamento. Entonces el enemigo viene para robar. ¿Qué es lo que roba? No solamente las cosas espirituales, not just the spiritual thing. Oh, my passion, you know, all the devil's just really trying me. Oh, el fuego del Espíritu Santo, el enemigo se lo quiere robar. No. What does he look to steal? ¿Qué es lo que busca robar? He looks to steal away the people that are going to make you closer to God, that are going to make you a fuerza. Quieras o no quieras, you're going to get close to God. He looks to steal those people away from your life. He looks to steal friendships away. He looks to steal relationships away. He looks to steal the love and compassion that you may have for one another. He looks to steal that. But then the second thing, la segunda cosa, is to kill and then to destroy. Why does it say to kill and to destroy? I'll tell you why. Kill. When you kill something, does it have life? Huh? No. Who died but came back to life? Jesus. So the Bible says that the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead lives in me. So the enemy doesn't just look to kill because if he kills something, if that person turns back to Jesus, Jesus has the power to bring that back to life. But he looks to destroy, to decimate it, to no, for it to no longer exist. You ever talk to people and it usually happens to young people. Younger people, like, oh yeah, that person used to be my best friend when we were in middle school. What happened? I don't know. You should go talk to them. I've talked to so many people, why don't you just go talk to them? Nah, nah. Why? I don't know. It's just, nah. Did they do something to you? No. Did you do something? No. Well then, I don't know. And, and, then, and then I'll stop talking, and it happens 100% of the time. I'll stop talking, and then this is what happens. Man, we used to be so close. We used to go to each other's house, and they start talking about all the great and beautiful things. So what happens? I don't know. The enemy seeks to destroy everything that's good that comes from God. And so anything that's going to draw you closer to God, he's going to look to steal, to kill, and then destroy it. That's why you'll see people that they won't have a passion for God anymore. And then all of a sudden they get around a group of people and it's like, whoa, what happened? Dude, is this the group of people I got around? Like my passion of God had just revived. But before that people can get to that stage, the enemy seeks to destroy them. the third step. He'll steal it, he'll kill it, and then destroy it. And then he looks also to destroy what comes from God. Look at the Dios. Friendships, relationships. And you know what's so interesting? Y te voy a decir esto. Una de las cosas muy interesantes. Es que a ti y a mí no nos va a agradar siempre todo lo que viene de Dios. For you and for me, we're not always going to like what comes from God. Did you know that? There's people that God will put in your life on purpose that make you mad. I don't know what it is about that person. They just push my buttons. God put them in there. God put them in your life. Hey, no, don't talk to me. I don't want, I don't want nothing to do with you. And this is the reason why. Anytime. Because it's happened to me. You look to go, man, I'm going to tell him how it is. Man, I got tired of that dude. Man, I'm going to go, what's up, man? Me bajo la cruz. Let's go, you know? <laughs> and so before you get there, what happens? All of a sudden, you're showered with this love. You're like, man, I just, I can't. I love that person. I mean, I hate them, but I love them. Like, I'm, you're right in between. Why is that? Because there are people that God will put in your life to mold you, to shape you. 
Porque hay gente que Dios pone en tu vida para formarte. And I'm going to go ahead and finish with this. The enemy. Ahora, quiero que, 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 que te des cuenta de lo siguiente. It's something beautiful that God's done here, ¿sí o no? So do you think the enemy is happy or upset? Upset. So what is his plan? ¿Cuál es su plan? Robar, matar, destruir. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy can only steal, kill, and destroy in a place where he has access to. See, if somebody, if an intruder comes into your house, it's hard to kick him out. It's easier to keep the intruder out if you've already locked the doors. But the moment you open a door, in the momento que tú abres una puerta, entra el ladrón. The thief comes in. And it's harder to kick somebody out than to just keep them out. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is that the only, the only thing the enemy can use is what is legally his. Lo que legalmente es de él. Y por eso, debemos tener cuidado. We have to be careful with the cracks in our lives. We can't sit there. Con aquello que está roto en nuestras vidas, las grietas en nuestro carácter, no podemos mantenernos allí. Porque de ahí se agarra Satanás. De ahí se agarra el enemigo. Y por eso hay gente, that's why there's people, hay gente tan narcisista, there are people that are so narcissistic, and they have so many cracks in their character, tienen tantas grietas en su carácter, que cuando alguien dice algo desde el púlpito o alguien dice algo afuera, piensan que es sobre ellos. It's, it's about, oh, they're saying it because of me. You ever talk to people like that? In Facebook or even in Twitter. Now on in Twitter, right? Todos los mundos son sabios y en Facebook todos son sabios y todos tienen algo, ¿verdad? Wow, qué profundo. So puede ser alguien de otra iglesia. It could be somebody from another church, somebody you haven't talked to, and they'll say something like, oh, okay, I see how it is. You're saying that because of me. They don't even know. Ellos ni saben. But because our cracks in our character lead us to believe that the world revolves around us and that everything that is done, said, and planned is about us, is towards me. That is the epitome of pride. Eso es el, I didn't say epitome. Eso es el, ¿cómo se llama? Cuando tú eres una montaña, estás también arriba. Eso es la cima de lo que yo llamaría orgullo. Cuando piensas que todo se trata de ti y que dijeron esto por mí, hicieron aquello por causa de mí. I'm going to tell you something, okay? And it might hurt your feelings, but it's okay. I'm sure I've hurt everybody's feelings in, in this place at least once. If not, let's get ready. What was I going to say? It was so good too. It stopped. I'm winning. Let me tell you something. For people, so many people believe that the world, that they're the center of everything. And I'll tell you something. You're not that important. You're not that special. I know middle school and high school is like, especially so valuable. No, you're not. Because after here, trust me, after here, I don't go home thinking about, oh my gosh, man, is that person okay? Is that, I go home, I'm going to sleep. I got to work tomorrow. I'm going to pray and I got to work tomorrow and that's good. And what happens, and I'll pose with this, what happens, and this happens more What, for the people that are in sin, gente que está en pecado, gente que sabe que están cometiendo pecado, hay cierta culpabilidad dentro de ellos. There's this, this, uh, what, how do you say culpabilidad? Guilt. There's this guilt and shame inside. So then, 
they believe that, oh man, everybody knows and everybody's judging me. Nobody cares, dude. You're not special. We don't even know what you've done. And nobody cares because it's summertime. We're sleeping in where we're good. We're fine. But has that ever happened to you? That's happened to me. I mean, if you're brave enough to raise your hand, go ahead. But that's happened to me. It's like, oh man, you walk in here like, man, everybody know, everybody know. And then somebody, you know, they're kind of, you know, they kind of look over and they'll just do this and they keep it up. Oh, how does she know? I, I, oh, I know she knows. Oh, I bet you when I went to Chick-fil-A, that one person, I knew that that was the person that I saw. And I bet they called them and they said, you start making connections. You not give her the person. Lo que pasó es que está visca la persona. They're just like trying to fix her eye. And so what happens, and this is my, this is my last point for today. What happens is we fall into sin assuming what another person carries in their heart. Caemos en pecado asumiendo lo que la otra persona carga en su corazón. This is what the Bible talks about, and this is what Jesus meant with, judge not lest you be judged. Jesus was not talking about judging fruit. Jesus was talking about judging the heart, because you don't know the heart. Tú no conoces el corazón. Cuando Jesús dijo, no juzguéis para que no seas juzgado, Jesús no estaba hablando de que no juzgues los frutos. Por eso más adelante, later on, the Bible says, you will know them by their fruit. How do you know someone by their fruit? You have to judge their fruit. ¿Cómo conoces a alguien por su fruto? Lo tienes que conocer, tienes que juzgar el fruto. Y Jesús a lo que se refiere, what Jesus is talking about is the heart. You can't judge the heart. And we do that every day. I bet you he has green on his finger because he was picking his birds. I bet you. Everybody was wondering, ¿sí o no? Yeah. Yeah, she was like, well, what, was he, what was he trying to do, man? What was he doing? ¿Qué pasó? Was he eating cake? He didn't offer cake? Oh, man, oh, I see how it is. And so we start to assume, empezamos a asumir. Y es la manera más rápida para pecar, es tratar de averiguar lo que una persona tiene en su corazón. Por eso, el, el rey David, el samista en ese tiempo, le dice a Dios, examíname, escudriña mi corazón. Por eso la Biblia dice que es Dios el que pesa los corazones. No es mi trabajo, it's not my job to judge your heart but judge the fruit I don't know what's in your heart I don't know the motives of your heart the Holy Spirit does though so let's stand to our feet and I want to close off so we all carry cracks in our, in our character and just because God decides to use us pour out his spirit over us does not mean that we should abide there. Does not mean that we should stay there. Because we don't want to give the devil a hold of something so that he can come in and destroy everything else. It just takes one thing. It just takes one thing. And then the enemy will grab a hold of that. So I want to encourage you to maintain in victory. And we're going to keep talking about these things. And I think I'm going to have to make these a lot shorter because there's just so much to talk about. And we're going to talk about relationships and friendships and all kinds of things. But this is how we maintain the move of God. Because we can say, oh, I don't want to sadden the Holy Spirit. But you were just talking about your brother and sister about how, oh, that's an ugly haircut. Oh, man, I bet you what kind of barber they go to. What? what? I bet they got, a, they got that 50% off, huh? Because they, they, they're broke. So you, there's no quicker way to sadden the Holy Spirit than to do that. So I want you to close your eyes and we're going to pray. And it may be these next couple of Wednesdays may be a little different 
but it's okay. I know everybody's like, ah, queremos el fuego, queremos el, yeah. And God will give that to us. But I believe there's a moment where God begins to correct us. And before God can correct you, within the context of youth group, I want you to know that God corrects me. I can't just come up here and be like, hey, this, you, this, you, this, you, this, and I'm, I'm chilling. Just sitting, no. It happened to me first. There's things that I have had to change and continue to change. Things that I thought were okay, God says, that's not what I want. I want this. So lift up your hands. Levanta tus manos.